And you can get your Bibles and open them up to John chapter 11. A few announcements here. Um, got a men's breakfast. Normally it's the second Sunday of the month or Saturday of the month. This month we're going to do it uh, next Saturday, which is May 1st, the first Saturday of the month. So come early, 6 a.m., come hungry, get fed, uh, and there's a little Bible study and a little time of worship, and uh, man, the men, we love our breakfast times together, that's for sure. So come on out to that, and that's downstairs. Uh, so if you come in the back door, you can go downstairs, and that's uh, where we'll be. So Awana's wrapping up the month of April here, uh, 4 p.m. here at the church. Get your kids down here to be discipled. We're hosting Awanas now uh, through the month of April, which is today. So I <laughs> went fast, didn't it? Uh, hey, guess what? A ladies' spring tea is coming up next April. Put it on your calendar. No, actually, go back to that. I'm teasing. Uh, the women's spring tea has some snacks left over that probably just all got ate, ate and ate, eaten. Thank you. Yes, I know. And... Um, and there's some succulents in there, which I guess you take home, you chop them up, and you put them in an omelet or something like that. So you're going to want to pick that up. And I guess it's $5 helps cover the cost of the succulent. Okay, I don't make the rules of the budget. I just announce it. So 5 bucks for a succulent that's already made probably doesn't even make that good of an omelet. I don't know how this works. You make it yourself. You're going to pay to work around here. Did this get approved by the elders? Is this... I'm teasing. Uh, the thumb team is happening now. All right, everyone raise up your thumbs. You can be part of the thumb team. There's a word green up there if you didn't see it. Uh, I just made this slide right before worship. Lindsay's like, you can barely see green, but just go with it. Um, so uh, we do have some property here, a little tiny bit, and we want to just really beautify it. And so if you've got a gift of beautifying lawns and shrubbery and you know someone that can help us replace our beautiful, I want to say it was a cherry tree, but I don't think it was a cherry tree, but it got struck by lightning or wind damage or something like that uh, last year. There's a big difference in that, right? Struck by lightning and wind damage. It died. doesn't really matter what happened to it. It's dead. Um, but uh, we need some help planting a new tree eventually here soon. So Ken Curvin right there. He'll be the guy saying amen a whole bunch today in the sermon. Uh, raise your hand there, Ken. No, that we will do lilac trees. They're my favorite, and we will have a thousand of them. Yeah. The new Jerusalem is covered in lilac trees. And uh, this is a view from my roof I took. Uh, oh, here we go. Okay, Heidi's like, let's get on with it. Here we go, guys. John chapter 11. Jesus, come to your word. We've already just prepared our hearts to hear of uh, more than a story of Lazarus being raised from the dead, but um, just the encouragement to trust in you, to rest in you, to know your ways and your timing is different than ours, to know that you always do what the Father says. We know that you, the Father, the Holy Spirit, just are in sync and in communion with one another, even now um, in this New Testament era, Lord, and just press the word into us today as we kind of dive into um, many verses. Lord, give us some attention span and think of all the children that are being discipled downstairs. Um, 
just minister to them right now. And uh, we think of Marty, a friend of ours from the church here right now, uh, who's in ICU in um, Portland and heart attack this week and just in a coma for the last five days or so. And um, just for Susie, his wife, is Marty's just fighting for his life. Lord, we just pray for resurrection power to just come into his heart, his lungs. Lord, I just pray for just the good oxygen level. Just pray for a fever to be taken away. Uh, we just pray for a miracle. We just love um, this Marty and Susie family who've just pressed in 100% since they've been coming about eight months. And um, just let them just feel your nearness and love. Just minister to Marty right now as he's just in a peaceful place, Lord. Bring healing, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so up until now in the Gospel of John, we've learned about Jesus being the bread of life, the water of light, the light of life. Now, uh, Jesus is going to give life itself as kind of a final sign. Uh, some have called this one of the most climactic and most dramatic miraculous signs uh, that Jesus has done. And here it is in this fourth gospel. Uh, one commentary said that the main idea of this section is that when we learn to trust Jesus, we will experience the triumph of life over death. So let's get into it. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So kind of neat that John gives us this little parenthetical statement like, you know, that Mary, you know, and I know it happened a little bit later, but you guys kind of know the story by now. You know, at this point in church history, as John's writing his gospel, people have already heard it's that Mary, which kind of keeps us reading to find out more about this Mary, but also it supposes that we would be reading the gospel of John more than once. And so he's like talking to someone that he expects to become a familiar audience as time goes on. You can read on your own time, Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42, and hear about how Mary anointed Jesus um, with her uh, costly oil of spikenard and with her hair and prepared him for burial. And Jesus says that as long as the church exists, her story of such sacrificial worship will be uh, told throughout all the world. And here we are today, just a little mention of it. But it's that Mary, in case you're wondering. Few Marys in the Bible. The Virgin Mary also had a son named Lat or brother named Lazarus. And, you know, okay, a couple Marys there in the Bible, right? But uh, it was their brother, Lazarus, who was sick. Lazarus is a variant of the name Eleazar, meaning that God has helped. Reminds me of Josiah Graves' family. God is the helper, right? God's helper. Uh, Eleazar means that God has helped. Um, he's not as well known as his sisters, Mary and Martha, but he's still a little bit known. Um, it's interesting that one story that Jesus tells about Lazarus and the rich man, um, you know, Jesus in his parables doesn't typically name characters in his parable. But the story of Lazarus and the rich man from Luke chapter 16 uh, was actually in our reading plan uh, this last week. Uh, Lainey and I read it together and we talked about that. And, uh, and so that story of Lazarus and the rich man may be more than 
uh, just a story. There may be some, some truth to that. Now, the name Lazarus is about the only thing that the story and what we know of Lazarus' history have in common. Same name, you know, um, no relation, or maybe relation. There's no real way of knowing, um, but... Uh, as I was reading commentaries, I always thought totally different guys. And then there were some guys that were like, I mean, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that there may be part of his testimony. And so, um, just interesting to know. And, uh, you can also read of that story on, see, you want me to do all the work here today? Go read your stories. All right. Mary anointing Jesus's feet, Lazarus and the rich man. You guys got some Lord's day homework to go home to today and read with your family. Um, but they were from this town of Bethany. Uh, it lies on the east side of the Mount of Olives. We go through it when we go to Israel. It's less than two miles from Jerusalem. There's a little bit of a, a map in chapter 11 that tells us how many furlongs it is from Jerusalem. It's about a mile and three quarters um, between Bethany and the east side of Jerusalem. And uh, we have this story here concerning Mary, Martha, and Lazarus that informs us that they knew Jesus well. It's kind of a special chapter to read because you just see that Jesus was such a personable guy that had very deep friendships, that had great intimate filial friendships. And, uh, and when Lazarus was sick, they could just go to him. And so they sent word to him in verse 3, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. This is uh, the word phileo for love rather than agape. And phileo speaks of a brotherly love, a relational love. He who you've had brotherly friendship with is sick. And they kind of just throw down that, like, so you're going to want to hurry in a sense because you've got a relationship with this guy. We love you. You love him. And he's ill. He needs you right now. Uh, it's a touching reference uh, of Jesus's love between Lazarus and him. And it suggests that more than even them felt peculiar love from Jesus. Uh, there are some who argue that Lazarus is actually John because John would refer to him as the one Jesus loved. There's not a lot of evidence for that, but there are some guys out there uh, that say that. Interesting as they send word to Jesus, they don't tell Jesus what to do. They just tell him, uh, he whom you love is sick, okay? Uh, but in not telling him what to do, they're also letting him know that they are dependent upon him. Their confidence is that Jesus really loved Lazarus. Um, I kind of like how the Lord works you know, sometimes as I'm preparing to teach and preach and I was driving out uh, to a branding this week and I was pondering this teaching coming up and as I'm driving, I hear this song on my, you know, radio or podcast or whatever it is that plays songs, Pandora or something, you know, and it's that song that we just sang and that it says, the cross is all the confidence I need. If you're ever wondering if Jesus loves you in the same way that he loved Lazarus, look at the cross. The cross is the pulpit, one preacher said. It's the pulpit that declares the love of Jesus. And if while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, that is something that just shows the great love that he has for us. It is the example of love. And so uh, the confidence 
that they had that Jesus was going to take care of their brother was that there was love there. The cross is all the confidence we need, that he loves us and that he has that same awareness of our situation and care, awareness, careness over, I'm going to dub that, pen that myself, um, of our situations. I like what one preacher said, if our confidence was based on our love for him, we may be on shaky ground. Hey, go tell him that, you know, that Jill Bob is sick, right? I don't want to name my name because you're like, you say that I'm going to get sick? Okay. Joe Bob is the name for the day, okay? Joe, not you. Your middle name's not Bob, right? Okay, good. Go tell Jesus Joe Bob is sick. And also tell him, like, you know how much I care about you, right? You know, because we all know our care for the Lord is sometimes... And he's like, I don't know, what is it today? What's the level of care you've got today? And we can be so thankful that it's not based on just how strong and faithful we are that God is faithful. No, it's based on he is always faithful. He is always faithful towards us. He is always loving towards us. Our dependence on Jesus is just anchored deep in who he is, that he is love. As he told the the Jewish people, I have loved you. Why have you loved me? It's not because you're awesome, you're glamorous, you're so handsome, you never fail, you're just so true and trusty and all that. No, he tells in Deuteronomy, I have loved you because I've loved you. That's it, all right? And Jesus has loved Lazarus, why? Because he loves him. And he loves us, why? Because he loves us. And when Jesus had heard that his buddy that he loves is sick, Joe Bob, Verse four, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God may be glorified in it. So Jesus responds in a couple of head scratching ways. This sickness is not unto death. And then just about 10 verses later, we find this whole drama that lo and behold, homeboy had died. Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about, guys. No, of course he knows what he's talking about. When you look at the language, Jesus doesn't mean that this sickness is not fatal, but that it will not end ultimately in death. This sickness does not have death as the final word. Okay? But there's a purpose behind it, namely that God would be glorified. That God would be praised. This is all happening in order that God's glory would be revealed to the Jewish people near Jerusalem. In fact, it's going to set things in, in order. We'll see at the end of the chapter so that like the guys get serious about crucifying Jesus. It's something that kind of really begins to thrust and push the plot to kill Jesus. Um, what Jesus has said here, though could appear as callousness toward the family in Bethany. Hey, the one that you love is sick, and I mean, he's really sick, like he's probably going to die. It's not unto death, and it's just all happening that, you know, but just so that we know that Jesus isn't calloused, it's going to reference again in verse 5, you just got to remember that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Okay, so we got a good foundation of our story here. We've got a good foundation of, of the, the, the tale 
Uh, true story, by the way. Uh, we've got a foundation that it's that God is love, okay? And that everything that he does for us is for our good. And everything that he's going to do right here concerning how fast he rushes to the hospital or how fast, fast he goes and gets his anointing oil or how fast he sh- makes it there or, or doesn't make it there or even, you know, that he just heals from a distance like he's done before. No matter what he ends up doing, it's going to be for our good or for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus's good, okay? Uh, it's also going to be for his glory, that's a promise we have from Romans chapter 8 that he, we know that he works all things together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All right, so he's going to work it for their good, but it's not always going to look how they think it should look. And when Elijah was first called to be a prophet, you know, he's out in the desert and he's getting fed by ravens flying up with chunks of meat in their feet, dropping it at him. And bread, dropping it at him, and he's drinking out of a creek, you know. And sometimes we think, God, you're not providing for me. You're not there for me. All I've got is this, like literally it's like steak dropped by ravens. Sounds pretty amazing to me, okay. This is before food handling permits and things like that, you know. Ah, this is again, smoked on a Traeger in Jerusalem, you know kosher by the rabbis, orthodox rabbis, you know, uh, you know, oh, fresh spring water. Oh gosh, Lord, when are you going to, you know, it's like, Hey, just chill. Like the Lord is providing, be thankful. It might not always look how you think it should look, but he's providing, he's moving, he's faithful, more than faithful. And so we kind of have the question like, Oh no, Lazarus, whom Jesus loves is sick. Why would God ever let that happen? You know? And, and we already saw it. This is, it's not unto death ultimately, but it's for the purpose of God being glorified, right? We got that. Does that remind you of two chapters ago in chapter nine, when there's a blind man in Jerusalem and the disciples look at him and go, hey, who's sinned to make this happen? Was it his sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus says, neither one. But there's a purpose going on here that God would be glorified. And we know the purpose of all this in John chapter 20, verse 31. All of these things that we're reading, whether it's the blind man being healed or whether it's uh, Lazarus going down in health to the point of going to die, all of these were written so that we might believe that Jesus is the son of God and that by believing we might have life in his name. So all of these trials that are happening to these people, they have a deep purpose that God would be glorified. And God is glorified when people hear of his saving ways and they receive his saving ways into their heart. And he changes and transforms our lives and our hearts and our nature and our mind and our passions and our wants. And then we go out and we tell people how God has changed us. And then they hear about God's saving ways and they come to know God and they experience God and they enjoy God and they worship him him forever. This is how God operates. And it changes the way we look at our trials. No matter what it is you're going through right now, you've got to look at it as this isn't just so that I would wallow in a pit of despair. God is moving in a way that is for my good. I just got to trust in that, rest in that, walk in that, confess that, pray towards that, have open eyes towards that and be available to what else do you want to do to move this thing along towards my good and towards your glory. You got to remember in the midst of all of it, whatever it is you're going through, Jesus loved Lazarus. 
Jesus loved Mary. Jesus loved Martha. And, and you can insert your name in there today. If you're a follower of Jesus, a friend of Jesus, redeemed by his blood, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. I thought you were going to say Jesus loves me. Say it to me. Say, Thank you, Nyla. Oh, that's awesome. You know, uh, Titus, my little Titus, we call him Tippy because he used to walk on his tiptoes. I don't know if he does it anymore, but Tippy. So every night he's, uh, so he's six going on seven here in October. Every night he wants to sing Jesus loves me as his bedtime song. He's like, do that thing where you like lightly rub your finger around my face. And it's like a little race course. And you like, then you go off the ramp. And then you land, you know, and Jesus, oh. okay. Uh, but just this week, Tippy, he's been mem- memorizing, like, if anyone believes in him, they'll live forever. And so now he's wanting to sing, like, whoever believes in him will live forever. And then dad do the, like, but still, can I do the, like, racetrack on your face when I do it, you know? So he's changing his song. It's still a good song. God so loved the whole wide world that whoever believes in it. But I'm missing Jesus loves me. By the way, did you know, fun fact, Jesus loves me, original title was China. Did you know that? I want to sing China. It was missionaries in China wrote Jesus loves me so that they could teach the Chinese children about the love of Jesus in the gospel. Is that awesome? Fun fact, go put that in your piggy bank and... Note bank. Okay. None of that was in my notes. Let's just roll back to it here. Jesus loves me. Launch ramp off of nose. Land in mouth. Okay. Here we go. You got to know Jesus loves you. Okay. Verse six. You can hear John right here. He just, John, when he wrote it, he knew that I would just go off there. And so he's like, so... When they heard that he was sick, so when he had heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Oh, typical elder in the church, right? Like, hey, I'm getting a tooth pulled maybe. Yeah, see you in two days. (laughs) Got to refill my anointing oil to get there. You know, Um, no, like, but Jesus, he, he kind of, in our view, tarried a bit, right? Didn't rush. It's a little offensive. Rubs me the wrong way. Didn't return my phone call, my email. Sent the church a TikTok. Um, Hope you're feeling better. Just going to pray for you right now. You know, Um, Stays two more days. At first hearing, this is a little backwards, isn't it? A little rude, okay? Fill out a comment card at the church. Let the elders know, okay? We got to remember from John chapter 10, we kind of hopped over the end of John chapter 10 last week. I've got notes for it, but we're not going to go through it. Uh, Jesus ended up going back beyond the Jordan where John the Baptist was originally. So he's about an entire day's journey away. Okay. So picture this. Lazarus uh, is sick. We're going to know about the time that that message was sent. Lazarus, um, it wasn't long after that he died. It took a day to get the message to Jesus. 
Uh, then he's going to tarry for two days. Then he's going to go back for a day. And so it's going to be about four days uh, that Lazarus is actually ends up, spoiler alert, Lazarus dies. I don't know if you knew that in the story. Okay, Lazarus dies. Um, it's going to be four days. But, so Jesus tarries too, but that was already one day after. And then he's got another day of traveling. And so John Calvin said, whatever the delay, he never sleeps and he never forgets his people. Okay, so whatever it is for you in your life where there's a Lazarus issue happening and you need Jesus, you're dependent on Jesus, but it's, you're not feeling the answer, just whatever the delay, just sometimes you got to thank God for unanswered prayers. Okay, anybody? Nobody? You know what I'm talking about. Okay, no, that's a horrible song. Bad example. Okay, whatever the delay, he's not sleeping, he's not slumbering, he's it, he's always moving. He's always working. It just might not be the way that you think. Um, Carson says, this means that the two day delay was actually motivated by Jesus's love for Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. How can this be? So remember we've, we've undergirded this story with, we just got to know no matter what, Jesus loves Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So we've got that boom nailed down hard and fastened down as the floorboard of everything, okay? So if he loves them, his delay has to do with his love for them, okay? It's because he loves them, he's going to delay. So let's look at verse seven. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you and you are going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. So end of chapter 10, Jesus had said that he was God and the Jews picked up stones to stone him because of that claim. So he escaped out of their midst, went to the Transjordan area, and he's been there since. And now he says, let's go back to where they had just picked up stones to stone me. And the disciples are thinking, if they're going to pick up stones to stone you, they're going to pick up stones to stone us. Are you sure you really want to go back there? And Jesus, every, like, there's a sense that, that he's going to be dying soon. But Jesus says, you know what? The work day is 12 hours here. Guys, we're on the 11th hour, and just because it's almost retirement time, just because it's almost time, day night, or day night, daylight, but night time, night, just because it's almost night, uh, doesn't mean you stop working there. We got work to do, let's get going, and this is actually going to lead into the night. This is going to lead into my crucifixion, okay? It may be the 11th hour of daylight, F.F. Bruce says, but that is no reason for staying in retirement. Or Carson, the daylight period of his ministry may be far advanced, but it is wrong to quit before the 12 hours have been uh, filled up. And so verse 11, these things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. And so it was a common New Testament phrase, sleeping meant death. All right. Um, and so 
you know, our friend Lazarus sleeps. It was even a briefly Old Testament example, uh, you know, that uh, uh, Abraham would sleep and rest with his fathers, but it was a, a more rare occurrence that they would use that word sleep in that way. Uh, New Testament's all over the place. Um, and so Jesus says, Lazarus sleeps, and he's saying he's died, okay? And the disciples, they're like, sleep is good, <laughs> You know, builds up the energy, laughter the best medicine, sleep the second best medicine, chicken chicken noodle soup, give this guy, he'll get better, right? And they should know, as you read, that they ought to have known by now Lazarus was dead, but their fear of persecution going back was kind of making them drag it on a little bit, like, what kind of sleep are we talking about? Probably like sleepy sleep, right? Where chicken soup ought to also help with this. And, uh... Jesus says, no, no, I'm speaking of death, verse 13. Jesus spoke of death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. And so there's this awkward little like, <laughs> which one are we talking? And then verse 14, Jesus just does a straight face. And Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Okay, so, okay. Um, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, Jesus says, that you may believe Nevertheless, let us go to him. What, what do you think he's meaning there? I'm glad for your sakes I wasn't there. Because I'm going to do something when we get there that's going to just strengthen your faith and increase your faith and glorify my name and advance the kingdom. In verse 16, then Thomas, who's called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, we got a few things about Thomas here. Thomas was also called twin. Nobody knows whose twin he was. He was just called twin. Um, he's an interesting fella. When you hang out in ministry very long, there's always some interesting fellas, you know? Um, and he's the guy that's like, oh, Jesus is risen from the dead. Let me stick my fingers in the nail holes in the hole in his side. And everyone's like, Thomas, you know? Ugh. You know, I was in ministry for quite a while. We always had this kid that was like, you know, we're like, hey guys, we're going to throw the football around. And then one kid's like, can we be shirts and skins? And you're like, no, just keep your shirt on, you know? Like every time you look around, this kid has his shirt off. He's like, just keep your shirt on, all right? Like, or then there was the kid that was always throwing knives at trees. You're like, hey guys, discipleship group, guys, open up your Bible. Hey, Billy, no, Billy. Whoa, how many knives did you bring with you? And he's over there. We prayed for him and everything. Then we had the kid. <laughs> We're at a youth conference. Big ski lodge, beautiful thing. Out sledding, come in, drying our socks by the fire. Something like 50 kids or something like that running around. Foosball. And then like, Rory, get downstairs fast. Billy has his hands stuck in the air conditioner vent. You're like, what? You go down there and literally he's like, got his arm up in a vent, stuck up as far as he can get it. With his shirt off. <laughs> Whoa, what are you doing? Uh, just trying to see how far I can get my hand up in there. Like, you know, pick him up, pick him up. Okay, pick him up more. Okay, you know, like blood every, okay. Good thing he didn't have his shirt on because it would have stained it. Okay. There's always one of those guys, okay? Thomas was one. It's like, Lazarus is dead. Let's go too so we can die with him. 
Thomas. Thomas, just be... Okay. Peter was... Old Peter foot in the mouth. Thomas was like, just don't talk, okay? Actually, I don't know if you were probably smarter than me. My first reads through, I'm like, what is Thomas getting at? Let's also go die with him. Lazarus, he was sick. You want the corona? Is that what you want? Like, put your mask on. We're going. You know? Weirdo. Okay. He's actually talking about Jesus is going to die when we go back. Let's just go die with him. So it's actually, there's some courage in this guy. I kind of built that up wrong, right? There's some courage in him. And he's misunderstood, you know, why they're going and what's going to be happening. But he kind of has this moment of boldness, just like Jesus, like, no, I'll, or just like Peter, I'll die with you. Lord, if you're going to die, I'll die. Lord, let's go back to Judea. If you're going to die, we'll all die because I don't want to think of a life without you here. So Thomas actually had a really incredible moment of faith. And every now and then the kid without his shirt on would also say something. You're like, bravo, bravo, you know, uh, but he, he, he was bold here. And he had that heart of a disciple to take up his cross and follow Jesus. Although there would be those moments of doubting, there would be the moments of fleeing from Jesus in the garden. Even Thomas had his moment of raw devotion and courage. Verse 17. It's only 1120. Got tons of time, right, Shannon and Matt? Okay. They're like, hey, the kids downstairs are dying at 1145. Dead. Okay. Got to... I'm just, they were nicer than that, but seriously. So when Jesus came, he found that they had already been in the tomb, uh, that he had already been in the tomb for four days. So Jesus rolls up, no doubt getting the stairs, right? He's like four days late. Everyone that's there got their Kleenex and they're like, and Jesus does the Michael Scott Am I late? You know, okay. Uh, cringe face, okay. Um, the Jewish rabbis would later teach that the soul of a deceased person would hover over the body for four days, okay? And by the fourth day, the body would begin to deteriorate and, and become rank, and that's the point that the soul would flee and go away, Okay? And so, uh, of course, this isn't a biblical principle. In fact, it's not biblical. Just put it that way. Um, but all of the Jews that would come and be grieving and be mourning, if Jesus would have come at zero hour, in fact, being God, he already knew that Lazarus was sick in the first place. So he could have just headed that direction. But let's say he showed up when, when he got the message, you know, and he got back there, then, oh, like, touches Lazarus and the cold sniffles go away and everything's fine. Like not a great story. Probably wouldn't even be in the gospel of John. You wait four days. You got the soul hovering over the body. Day four goes by, you know, and the Jews are thinking he's really gone now. You know, he's really gone. Time to seal up the tomb with the stone. Okay. Okay. And, and so Jesus is coming back at the perfect time. Whatever the delay, he never sleeps and he always cares about his people. And he knows day four, everyone's going to know there's no swoon theory happening. Lazarus isn't just going to revive like they called Jesus's resurrection. The cool air of the tomb rose him from the dead. You know, 
Like, no, day four, little soul spirit's gone, okay? And Lazarus is gone too, okay? So uh, he'd already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, verse 18, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning uh, his brother, uh, they're from the Jerusalem area, believe that they were a pretty prominent family. Um, they would hire, even a poor family would hire a f- two flutists, by the way, when I die, two flutes, none of this one flute stuff. Okay. Two flutes and a professional whaler. I want that. Okay. So two flutes and a whaler better be not like a Boston whaler, like someone screaming about me. Okay. All right, this is, this is the cultural backdrop. So Jesus shows up and there's a grieving, probably paid, but also friends from the hometown that are all around, okay? They're grieving and they're mourning. And Martha, verse 20, I know what you're thinking. There's like 54 verses here or something like that. How long is this? Okay, don't worry. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. And by the way, there's no... You don't get any of this from Jesus. You're going to actually get some statements of faith, but there's no like, where were you? Okay. Um, Now, Martha said, Lord, if you'd been here, I just know. It's like a statement of faith. I just know my brother would not have died. But even now, such great faith, you guys, verse 22. But even now I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, both Jesus and Martha being Jewish, believed in the Old Testament principle of the resurrection. So she said, I know that he will rise again later on in the resurrection of the great last day. John uh, 5, 28 references this resurrection, but Jesus is talking about Jesus's authority concerning that resurrection. In John 5, 28, Jesus said, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice, and they will come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who've done evil to the resurrection of condemnation, okay? Uh, Principle that maybe you're not aware of, that um, there will be a resurrection of your body. It's a very exciting thing, but it's also a sobering thing. The good news is if you're a Christian and you put your trust in Jesus and if you've had your sins washed away, you're born again, your body will be resurrected uh, to be in the presence of the Lord forever in the earth that he renews. And some believe that it's this earth that he just does a good purifying work on and just, you know, refurbishes it and just does a great job. Some believe that that's just an actual like total doing away of the old heaven and earth and that there's the new heaven and new earth. It's like totally hundred percent, completely different one way or another. We're going to be on a very real heaven and earth with this body that you've got. That's going to come up out of the grave and be transformed and be given a new glorious shape, right? A new glorious body. All right. I don't know if you got anybody excited about that or you're like, you're in a cult. What are you thinking? Like this is biblical stuff here. I just read John five twenty eight to you. All right. Ma- uh, Martha knew it was true. Lord, I know that one day that'll happen. And he's like, no, no, no. Verse 25. Jesus said to her, 
I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Such a beautiful verse. I would love to read this just over and over and over again. Such a beautiful verse. But what he doesn't say is, I can resurrect people and I have life. No, what he says is, I am resurrection. I'm the resurrection. And he says, I am life. That's me. That's who I am. And so our hope isn't in an event, the resurrection, but in a person, Jesus. And that's what ought to make us really excited. He is resurrection. Nothing can hinder him giving life because he doesn't have life. He is life. He is resurrection and life. There is neither resurrection nor eternal life outside of him. And so Jesus says in verse 26, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So, so far in the gospel of John, we have read that Jesus brings everlasting life, eternal life, and those who believe in him will never die. D.A. Carson said, ordinary mortal life ebbs away. But the life that Jesus gives never ends. All the major New Testament writings maintain some sort of tension between the future eschatological eternal life that we will get, but also the present realized eschatology that that eternal life, if you're in Jesus, it's already begun. The eternal life isn't like out there somewhere. It's right now. And it was given to you the day that you received Jesus, the day he called your name. And he gave you a new heart and a new mind. You began walking in eternal life. It's here today. It's already, but it's not yet. I'm the resurrection. He who has faith in me, even if he dies, he'll live again. And I'm the life. I'm the life. He who is alive and has faith in me will never die. And then I love it when Jesus does this direct question time. And I don't think it's just for Martha. I think it's for you guys. It's for me. Where he says, do you believe this? I mean, don't you just feel him reaching through the page out into 2021 Prineville? And he's asking more than Martha this pointed question. Do you believe this? Just like in John chapter 9, two chapters ago, he sees the blind man in the temple after the blind man was excommunicated for believing that Jesus healed him. And he sees the blind man in the temple, although now he's not blind, he sees and he says, do you believe in the son of man? Do you believe in the son of God? Do you believe in the Messiah? Do you believe in the savior of the world? Do you believe it? You guys, these direct questions must be asked. They must be asked to people in our community, that co-coach that you're with. I think of, uh, you know, Johnny went on a retreat with a coach that he was coaching with. And as he's in the hotel room, he just with the guy, just begins preaching the gospel and he's like drawing out of him, do you believe? And at least the guy knew by the end of the conversation, I don't believe. But there are so many who don't even know where they're at and they're just waffling and it takes this direct question. Recently heard of a Scottish guy who was in a veterinary school and he's at a, a veterinary conference and just an evangelist that was there asked him just pointedly, do you believe? 
And the guy said, I'd never really thought about it. I just, it was like there was kind of all this information about Jesus that I had known throughout the decades that was just kind of floating. But when I, it was like personally like pushed to me, like, what about you? It was like that moment, I believe. And he says, my life was never the same. I was from that moment given over to Jesus. And so for you today, the most important question that you'll ever answer is, who is Jesus to you? Do you believe that Jesus is resurrection, that Jesus is life? Do you believe that no one goes to heaven apart from Jesus? You need to be asked that right now. And you need to just know right now, like it's better for you to just know today because you got this great like American red-blooded voted for Trump or voted for Biden, whoever it was you voted for, you know, you love America, you got the flag, you got the tattoo, you know, whatever. You make a a special berry cobbler on the 4th of July and you're just like, I'm a good person, you know? And it's like, but what about Jesus? And if you would say he he's not for me, not my, not my guy, not my guy then you just need to know, okay, you're, re- you're in a state of rejecting Jesus. And the wrath of God abides on you right now. Like we just read, if we believe in Jesus, we've got eternal life right now. You don't believe in Jesus, you've got wrath right now. Things are not good. I don't want to church it up for you. I wouldn't be church. <laughs> Churching it up for you is the wrath of God abides on you right now. You ought to be afraid. Okay, but the good news is you don't have to go do anything. Well, I better just go on and get out of here and start cleaning stuff up. An old youth pastor I know said that would be like cleaning a fish before you catch it. Just let the Lord have you right now and he will clean you. He'll change you. That's the work of the spirit. That's the work of the gospel. Do you believe this? And right now where you're at, you can just say, Lord, I didn't. Even 10 seconds ago, I didn't. But right now being asked pointedly, now I realize that I never have done anything with this. And you can just confess right now in your heart or out loud, I believe this, the resurrection and the life. And she said it, verse 27, she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is to come into the world. Woo! What a declaration of faith. My goodness, you believe? All right, Nyla, that's awesome. Man, it was like she had her childhood catechism come to, like, right there. Like, I believe that you are the Christ. That means the Messiah, the anointed one who comes into the world to save us. I believe you're the son of God sent from heaven, that you're God, the creator of the world, and that he sent you to come and redeem all of us. I believe that he's come into the world. And when she'd said these things, she went away her, went away She went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. So it's an attempt to provide her sister with a little private meeting with Jesus. As soon as she heard this, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her when they saw that Mary rose up quickly, went out following her saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. 
There's something comforting about going to the tomb or to the grave to weep there. Lost uh, loved ones, lost my dad, and I appreciate going to the grave site. I, I appreciate that. Went there a couple times uh, recently, and I've been where my dad's ashes are, and I just remember him, and it's something special. Biblically, these guys would go do this, and, and she even went, you know, oh, maybe she's going to go grieve over there, and uh, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews coming with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. How interesting that Jesus, who had already known for four days that Judas, uh, Lazarus was dead, uh, and already knows what he's going to do. Spoiler alert, he's going to raise him from the dead. Okay, I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. Too much? Too soon? Okay. Uh, he already knows what's going to happen, but he's grieved by what he's seeing. He sees the, the sister who's brokenhearted. He sees the effects of sin on the world and what it's done to Lazarus and how it has just raked his body with pain and illness and took him to the point of death. He sees, uh, just spent time with Martha, a grieving sister, spending time with Mary, a grieving sister, sees all the Jews following. It's a real picture of really the state of Israel and how even now, They're weeping and mourning because they don't know they've got the hope of Jesus right in front of them. And when Jesus sees this, he groans in his spirit and is troubled. Jesus has taken on the full weight of the world and the corruption that is in it. The extra biblical Greek here refers to the snorting of horses and actually uh, suggests anger, outrage, or emotional indignation And so he's snorting with what sin has done to the world and his beloved Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and his beloved Israel. Verse 34, and he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Did I skip something? Like a whole bunch of stuff? We got to the part about Mary and... She fell down and she also said the same thing. Apparently they'd been talking like, if he'd been here, when did I feel like I kind of skipped 32, but you guys don't seem to notice. So let's move right along. Okay. Verse 34. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Guys, this is emotional stuff anyways. I mean, think about it. Like when you go with a family to a funeral or a graveside service and they've prepared the ground or they've gotten the casket and they've gotten the flowers and there's intentionality on laying someone to rest in, in the, in burying them as first Corinthians 15 says, burying them in corruption. That is a sad, grievous, emotional time. And when Jesus walks with them to the grave, to the tomb, it's too much for him as well. And we have this beautiful, shortest verse in the Bible, verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus is going to do something that will take their suffering away, but before he first, before he fixes the problem, he joins their pain. And that's something that Jesus had to do for us when he was going to fix our problem. What did he have to do first for us? Join our pain had to take the weight of the world upon him. One man said he enters their grief before he exiles their grief. F.F. Bruce, it was in sympathy with those who wept that he also wept. 
Here is no automaton, but a real human being. And then the Jews see it in verse 36. And they said, see how he loved him. But it doesn't end there. See how he loved him. He really did love him. But then they say, and there's no malice in it. Couldn't this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying as well? And then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. You guys, spend a little time. Google search Lazarus's tomb. And you can see the original rocks in the area. A church sits upon it now, as mostly everything in Israel now. Uh, but down there, you can see the area where Lazarus rose from the dead. I almost had a slide for you, but should I do all the work? I don't think so. Google it. Okay, just kidding. Uh, he comes to the tomb. Just so you know, it was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench. For he's been dead four days. You don't want to do that. It's not going to be pleasant. Even though they had had all kinds of spices, there wasn't an embalming that had taken place, and there was going to be a smell. Why did he let those he loved experience four days of grief? Have you ever lost anyone? I remember the afternoon my dad passed away. I was 19 years old. I, I knew waking up that morning, this would be the day that my dad died. And then we went and I had to, we had to make the call to remove my dad's life support and he passed away. And, but I remember then, you know, just walking out of my dad's room, my aunt Alice was there and I just buried my head in my aunt Alice's shoulder and I just wailed in the waiting room at St. Charles here. I just wailed. Dad, best friend, hero, champion, wrestler, cowboy, just stallion, you know, and I just wailed that my dad died and my dad died young and he left us. And, and then I remember just a family that was supportive and around us, something like 50 people at St. Charles there with us. And just, what do you do? And my uncle, my uncles were golfers and they were like, let's just go golfing with Rory and just try to take his mind off of it. And I, I golf like I rope in case you're wondering, really good. Um, and we're out there, uh, I was driving the golf cart. I think that's what I was, you know, but just, and then we were at a hotel there in a pool and, and then the next day you're driving and you're making arrangements and you're picking out the urn. And have you lost someone? You remember the first day, first afternoon, first night you wake up, they're not here now. I want to call them. Can't call them. Four days. Think about four days into losing somebody. Four days in, there's a stench. Okay. Four days in, it's don't open the tomb now. Like it's bad. And that's just when Jesus likes to move. Yeah. How about some life, huh? It's bad. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying. And you want to know, I bet there wasn't even a stench. I bet at this point, like, it was like Febreze. Ozone. You know, don't quote me on that, though. I can't. I have no proof biblically. Um, and G, so they take the stone away from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he prays out loud. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But I'm praying out loud right now. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this. That they would believe that you sent me. So kind of a public prayer reminding them that 
Everything he said in the gospel of John so far, I always do what my father tells me. My father and I are always in sync together. Even today, the father and the Holy Spirit and the son are in sync together. Uh, Lord, I thank you. And I'm praying this out now that they know I'm from you and that you are going to move. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, a shout that in the Greek has a surprisingly loud scream to it. Something I don't think they were expecting. They're at the tomb. There's the sniffles. And then there's the Lazarus, come forth. I didn't even do it good. Okay, <clears throat> here we go. Okay, a loud, powerful scream. Lazarus, come forth. I like what Carson says. Though it's not John's point, it's often been remarked that the authority of Jesus is so great that had he not specified Lazarus, all the tombs would have given up their dead to resurrection life. Come forth! Oh no! Oh, arm yourselves! <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I, whew, good thing he specified, right? We're not, not everybody doesn't get a miracle today. Just for him. Okay. Verse 44. You guys almost, are you guys almost done? Because <laughs> I'm almost done. Shannon and Matt, I'm almost done, okay? Okay, text the children's ministry people. Don't worry, he's wrapping it up. It's taking a little while, roundabout way. Okay, and he who had died, what happened by the way? <laughs> he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Okay, a little bit of the burial procedure was that they would take a long cloth, narrow cloth, twice the length of the body, and they would lay the cloth down on the stone. They would lay the body on it. And then they would double that top back over the head, fasten it tight around the ankles, and then fasten it around the middle. And that, by the way, like in Jesus's case, was after about a hundred pounds of costly oils and fragrant things were put on him. And so similar grave clothes here that they're speaking of. Uh, he came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Some of the writings on this said that most of the time, like there's no way to walk having been bound this way. Maybe a little shuffle or a hop. I mean, this is just good stuff. And every, it's drama and it's action and excitement. And there's people watching from the outside. Lazarus, come forth. What are we going to see? What is this? I'm, I'm a little scared. You know, is it going to be stinky? What's going on? You know, and then like, it's like a VeggieTales character, like coming out, you know, <laughs> by the way, as he's coming out, covered up like, you know, all right. And Jesus has to say to them, go untie those ropes, loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews who'd come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. Like, they're just like, all right, I get it. This is like, this is too much. I mean, this is amazing. I believe. Same question that was just asked, Mary, do you believe? Or it was Martha, do you believe? And I asked it to you today. These Jews were like, I do. This is, this is insane. Like, come on. It's not like this was prophesied like it was going to happen in scripture or anything, which it was, right? But some of them, this is every crowd has the Debbie Downer too. Some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them what had happened. 
You know who you are. Okay, so <laughs> worship team, do you want to come on up? This makes it official that we're wrapping things up, in case you're wondering. The end of the story is, all, is almost anticlimactic, right? I mean, I did the hop thing. I did the talk of horror thing. Untie the ropes. And then you think it would be like, so they took the shroud off. And, you know, he looked a little, uh, you know, but he was like, ah, I'm okay, guys. You wouldn't believe the stuff that I've seen. Oh, tell us. Oh, man, I saw a unicorn and blah, 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 blah. Like, like we got nothing. Because you know why? John's like, not the point. Also, unicorns aren't real, okay? But I got nothing. John's like, because that would miss the point. It would distract you from the main point. And that is that the Lord loves you and that the Lord cares and that he's always working and that he is the one that he brings more than just life. He himself is life and he is resurrection. And when you believe in him, boom, this is what happens in your life. He does it now and he does it later. And Lazarus, though risen only to die again in a mortal life, Jesus would in just a few weeks rise from a grave himself. And this time, he would pass through those grave clothes and be able to pass through the walls. And he would be able to, yet in a crazy way, still be able to eat fish and sit in, on the shore and sit on a table, you know, sit and eat and all this kind of cool stuff in a much more glorious way, which is a picture of our glorious future resurrection. There's a poem that is the account of the raising of Lazarus. Um, and, and how we wish we had more info from him. And home to Mary's house returned. Was this demanded if he'd yearned to hear her weeping by his grave? Where were thou, brother, those four days? There lives no record of reply, which telling what it is to die. Had surely added praise to praise from every house the neighbors met. The streets were filled with joyful sound, a solemn gladness even crowned the purple brows of Olivet. Behold, a man raised up by Christ. The rest remaineth unrevealed. He told it not, or something sealed the lips of that evangelist. Doesn't even really rhyme. Frankly, I'm kind of disappointed. Roses are red, but okay. Guys, will you stand with me?